Hello, and welcome to the Scriptures Are Real podcast. This is the podcast where we talk about elements of the scripture that have become real to us, and that helps us find more power in our lives from these scriptures. I'm your host, Kerry Mielstein, and this is a short cast where we're just going to kind of summarize the reading in Deuteronomy and touch on one very important element at the end. There are a few longer uh, podcasts this week that you can uh, listen to, and I'll talk about those as we go along. But this short cast should just, I hope, capture the essence of Deuteronomy. In some ways, it just hurts my heart that we're just giving only one week to Deuteronomy when it's such a wonderful and powerful book. And part of the reason this is going to be a short cast is because really the entire theme of the book of Deuteronomy is about the covenant. It's a summary of the covenant. Abraham, it's his valedictory address. I said Abraham, I mean Moses. It's Moses's valedictory address. He is, has brought the Israelites to uh, where they're going to inherit the promised land, and uh, but he's not going to go with them. So the third podcast for this week is an interview I do with Samantha Milburn, uh, where we talk about Moses not going into the promised land with the children of Israel. I, I really enjoyed doing that podcast with her. I think there's fantastic stuff in there. So we'll talk about that in that third podcast, but he's not going to go in. So he recounts some of their history. We get just a little bit of history in there about how they start to divide up the inheritances and some on this side of the Jordan River and some on that side and a couple of battles that they have where they fight uh, a few people before going into the promised land. But this is Moses's last address to these people whom he is. Everyone who's alive now, he's seen them grow up in the wilderness. He's led them through the wilderness and he's brought them to where they can finally go into the promised land, but he's not going with them. So he is going to renew the covenant with them. He, he made the covenant. He helped their ancestors, their parents, enter into the covenant at Mount Sinai uh, and then remember that they had to wander until that generation had died off. So now this is another generation who had been born into the covenant because their parents had made that covenant, but they needed to make the covenant themselves. And so that's really the theme of the book of Deuteronomy. From beginning to end, it's about the covenant. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time on that because I've spent so much time on it elsewhere. We've done the covenant when we've done the beginning of Genesis, Genesis 12, 15, we've talked about the covenant. Uh, I've written literally books and articles on this covenant. I would recommend if you really want to get into this in depth to get my book, God Will Prevail. Uh, you can get a little brochure that summarizes it uh, at uh, outofthedust.org. If you go to outofthedust.org, there is one page that is about the Abrahamic covenant. And on there, you'll see firesides I've done on the covenant that you can watch. Uh, you'll, you'll see a list of podcasts that I've done, articles that I've written. Uh, I've got plenty that I've already done on the covenant. And I don't want to bore you with going through that whole thing again when there's so much that I've already done that you could just go listen to if you wanted to. Um, instead, I'm going to summarize some of the chapters that they have us read uh, or at least talk about them and hit the highlights of them. And then I want to hit on what I think is the essence of the covenant that's in chapter six. So we're actually not going to do chapter six to begin with. We're going to end on chapter six. We're also um, not going to spend a lot of time on, uh, let's see here, I want to go here, sorry, getting my scriptures up. We're not going to spend time on chapter seven or eight. Chapter seven is about um, them destroying the Canaanites, and we've already talked about that, the need to get rid of idolatry, that those people have had a chance to repent, that they're going to be moved to the spirit world where they'll have another chance to repent. We've talked about that a number of times already, and I assume we'll talk about it more when we get into Joshua. Um, we uh, also see, say, in chapter 15, uh, we have Moses 
uh, telling them about the Jubilee year or the year of release and the Sabbath years. Uh, and we've talked about that already in a podcast, so we're not going to spend a lot of time on that. Um, I believe they're having you read chapter 18 for really one verse. Uh, I mean, it's all uh, great stuff. Uh, a lot of fantastic things in here. Um, but eh, you could say it's a couple of verses. We, we could say in chapter 18, verse 15, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of, the, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him you shall hearken. So that's the prophecy that there will be another one day, a prophet that is like Moses. And when that kind of prophet comes, they should listen to him. He says it again in verse 18, I will raise them up a prophet, prophet from among their brethren, like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. Now, if you were to go to the chapter heading, it says a prophet and then parentheses, Christ will arise like unto Moses. That is absolutely true. We know that Christ is a fulfillment of that, and we'll come back to that in a moment. The, the difficulty with this is that as soon as we say that, we think it's the only fulfillment, and it's not the only fulfillment. Joseph Smith was a fulfillment, and uh, that's been prophetically spoken of, uh, and I'm sure there are other uh, people who were a fulfillment of this. But the primary fulfillment is Christ. Let's just keep in mind that this is a prophecy that becomes important um, to the Israelites and, and uh, after the northern kingdom is, is scattered uh, to the tribe of Judah or the Jews. And they keep thinking about that prophet. So, for example, when they go to John the Baptist and they ask him, are you Elijah? And he says, no. And they say, are you that prophet? They're referring to this prophecy. And he says, no, but I'm a forerunner and I'm not worthy to do his latchet of his shoe and so on. So that's referring to this prophecy. And Christ is absolutely the primary and important fulfillment of that prophecy. And so let's uh, let's always keep that in mind, that this, like so many other prophecies in the Old Testament, points towards Christ, and that uh, he is the great lawgiver, which is what Moses is known for. He's the great redeemer, and Moses is known for helping to bring about the redemption of Israel out of bondage, uh, and we should certainly listen to all that the Savior teaches us. So that's some, some great stuff from chapter 18. Now, the next thing it has us read, and there's all sorts of other things in here, laws and summaries of laws uh, and updates of laws uh, from Leviticus. And some people, there's, there's some disagreement as to whether the Deuteronomy code is earlier and the Leviticus code is later and so on. Uh, we're not going to worry about that too much, but, uh, but it is clear that the, the law expands uh, as you would expect it would. Um, and God gives them directions about crossing the Jordan River and so on. Now, I find it interesting that they assigned us to read verses 20 or chapters 29 through 30. Uh, I don't know why they didn't have us do chapter 28. Chapter 28 is, so 29 through 30 is the, the iteration of the covenant, but it really begins in chapter 28. All right, so you, you get, um, I may have just said 28 twice. I meant 29 through 30 that they're having us read it. It talks about the covenant, but it begins in chapter 28. Uh, where you get all, the promise of the blessings, uh, blessings that uh, will, they'll be blessed in their fields and in their flocks um, and in their storehouses. Verse nine, they'll, they'll become a holy people. This is part of uh, the covenant that we've talked about. Um, they'll have plenteous goods. 
And it just goes on and on and on to talk about the blessings. Now, one of the common things with the covenants, and again, I'm really not going to spend much time on this because I have so much elsewhere, but for every blessing, if you break the covenant, there's an accompanying cursing. It's a reversal of a blessing. All right. And so you're going to get that in the second half of 28. And then you get to 29 and it kind of starts over again. And again, this is Moses having the children of Israel enter into this covenant. So we start over with verse one. These are the words, of the covenant, which the Lord commanded Moses to make with the children of Israel in the land of Moab beside the covenant, which he had made with them in Horeb. So it's, it's that renewal of that covenant. Um, and uh, Moses says into Israel, you've seen what the Lord did in Egypt. And he, he's already reminded them of this. Let's, for example, chapter five, he recounts what happened um, uh, at Mount Sinai or Horeb, two names for the same place when they heard the commandments being given and all sorts of things. So a lot of this is, as a recount is a recounting of what their parents had done. And they may have been young kids, uh, but a, a recounting of what happened to that generation to remind them of God's delivering power and of the covenant as they enter into the covenant themselves. And so he reminds them of that and starts to talk again about what uh, they need to do if they're going to enter into the covenant. Chapter 30, I think is particularly nice because it talks about um, what happens when they break the covenant and they will stray uh, from the covenant uh, and they'll go into captivity. This is God humbling them. And then we get to verse six of chapter 30. Uh, so, uh, well, let's say uh, first, we'll start in verse four. Well, verse three. After they, well, all right. So, yeah, if they've had all these blessings and these cursings come, we'll go verse two. And then if they will return unto the Lord, their God, and shall obey his voice, according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee. So he'll, he'll turn away the captivity is really what they're saying. And he will return and gather thee from all nations, whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. If any of thine be driven out under the utmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord God gather thee, and from thence will he fetch thee. And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed. Verse 6, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. We're going to come back to that. That's the essence of the covenant right there. So we're going to come back to that. And then the Lord will put all the curses upon their enemies, which persecuted them. So, this is the, the beautiful thing, and we see this again and again when it comes to the covenant, and in many ways, the message of the entire Old Testament, and that is that when Israel strays from the covenant, God will humble them to remind them to keep the covenant, but when they are humbled and they return to him, he will always accept them back and give them all the blessings of the covenant and deliver them from their enemies. Again and again and again, God promises that. And again and again and again, we see it. I, that's why I find the Old Testament to be an incredible book about mercy and hope. God's mercy is incredible. Uh, it, it really, truly is incredible, and it brings so much hope. It's, it's just uh, amazing to me uh, what we see in terms of God being willing to continually accept modern and ancient Israel back no matter how often we stray. It's a beautiful, beautiful thing. So I believe that uh, chapter 34 is the last chapter for the reading. And so we get 
uh, Moses blessing all of Israel in chapter 33. He gives each tribe a blessing. Again, I have a whole chapter on this in my book where we compare the blessings given by Jacob to each of the tribes and the blessings by Moses. And we can kind of understand uh, their patriarchal blessings to each tribe and something of the role of each tribe. I find that interesting. Um, we get in, in chapter 34 that Moses uh, is going to see the promised land and he uh, will give Joshua a charge uh, about the promised land and so on. And we see that in a couple of chapters and then you read it in more in depth in uh, the book of Joshua in some ways. So that's, that's a really brief summary of what's going on, but I really do want to spend uh, our time on just a couple of uh, verses in chapter six. Uh, so let's see here. I think I went too far uh, as I'm trying to get there. And I went, uh, oh, I went all the way back to Exodus. We need to get to, how how'd I get there? Okay. Let me find where we're at. Oh man, I'm going way too far. Let's start over. Holy Bible, Old Testament, Deuteronomy, and we'll go to chapter six. Okay. Now, these are the commandments, the statutes, and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you that you might do them in the land, whether you go to possess it. So he's just finished in chapter five, going through and giving them the Ten Commandments again and telling them that story. Um, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep his statutes and his commands, which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's son, all the days of thy life. So much of this is going to be about making sure that not only are we keeping the covenant, but that we are teaching it to our children and getting them to keep it of course, it's up to them whether they will keep it or not, but our job is to teach them. So, verse 3 is where things get really important. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, that ye may increase mightily, or in other words, receive the blessings of the covenant, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Now we get into the essence of the covenant uh, and the essence of Judaism. This is, these are considered the most important verses in Judaism, and I agree with it. It's, they're the most important verses in the covenant, and the covenant is what uh, being of Israel is about. Now, we, we know that Christ is the one who makes it possible for the blessings of the covenant to be fulfilled, but this is the essence of our obligation, of what we're supposed to do, and we think of it as a long list sometimes, and, and in um, the next podcast that you should listen to, the one where I talked to uh, Jeanette Erickson, uh, about the love in the covenant. Uh, that's going to be an expansion of some of what I'm going to hit on right here. Um, and, and so I'd encourage you to listen to that one. It's just a discussion where we just, she and I just, when we talk, it's just so much fun to talk and think things through together. So it's, it's not really her giving a ton of thoughts or me giving a ton of thoughts. It's us discussing with each other some of the elements of the covenant and love and, and so on. Um, but it's based on this. Verse four. Here, oh, but but the, what I was saying with that is, uh, it's not a list of commandments that we focus on. It's this commandment. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God is one Lord, meaning you're not multi worshiping multiple gods. And let me read it the way we should probably really read it. Hear, O Israel, Jehovah, our God, is one Jehovah. There's not one, more than one. There's not more than one God we should worship. It's only Jehovah. Now listen to verse 5. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. Let's, let's examine a little bit of what that means, and I'm going to um, look at uh, uh, some Hebrew in here, all right? So, thou shalt love Jehovah, your God, with all your heart, all right? And the word really is heart, 
All right, Levevcha. Um, and uh, sorry, it's Levevcha. And this is uh, with all your heart. And so this would symbolize typically all of your feeling, all of your desire, everything that you have in, in your heart. All right. And then we have with all your soul. All right. Um, so uh, well, that's interesting. Hmm. Anyway. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. That's, that's very interesting uh, because it's nefesh ka. Sorry. I was looking at something that the computer had done that was a little bit funny, but now I figured out what it was doing. So uh, with all your soul, that's really kind of like all of who you are, right? We, we, we might think of this as your spirit. So with all your heart, all your desires, your emotions, your passions, with all of your spirit, maybe even with your intellect would be included with that. All right. And in fact, in the um, New Testament version, this is translated with all your heart, might, mind, and strength. Um, and uh, I think that mind is probably, as they're translating into Greek, um, there. Uh, so I don't know what the Savior himself actually said, but the quotations uh, that you would get in the New Testament are drawn from the Greek translation of the, the Old Testament. If they're quoting the Old Testament, they use the Greek translation of the Old Testament. And so uh, the Savior may not have said might, mind, and strength. He probably, they were probably quoting Deuteronomy the way it is in Hebrew right here. Um, so that's nefesh, all right, or, or soul. But they probably understood that soul meant um, both your spirit, but also your mind. And so I think they probably broke it into to, in Greek into your, your might, mind, and uh, so your, your might, mind, and strength, and so on. So anyway... Um, I, I suspect that's what we should think of this as, is both our spirit and our mind. Then it, what's really interesting is the one that's translated as with all thy might, all right? And in Hebrew, this is vekol, uh, so with all, meodcha. Uh, Meod is the word that you use to say very or much, and that's really its meaning. Uh, it's So like... Uh, are you having a good day? You can say I'm having a very good day or thank you very much, right? Uh, may owed is, is the word you use for that. Literally translated, we could say this is with all your muchness or all your veryness. Uh, and, and so uh, we, people translate it as uh, force or might or strength or something along those lines. But really, I think that they're trying to say with all your all. With, with all of the other elements, with your heart, with your mind, uh, your, your soul, do it with everything you have and are. Do all of those with as much as you're, you're capable of. You love God with everything you are, with your muchness, right? However much you love anything else, this should be more. It should be with all your muchness, um, uh, with all your veriness. Uh, it's I think might is a, is a decent way to translate it, but it kind of leaves out the idea that uh, that it's really giving it your all. You love God with everything you have and are. That's what our primary um, obligation is in the in the covenant. And as I said, I talk about that with uh, Jeanette a little bit, and I, I hope that you'll find that useful. So after and, and this is something that. Uh, Jews today will, will continue to say, and, and I'll show you why. After Moses tells him that, this is the core of the essence of the covenant, and Christ will reaffirm that in his day. Um, he tells us in verse 6, 
Uh, and these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. So this idea that there, there's only one God that we worship and we love him with everything we are. Um, that should be in your heart all the time. Then verse seven, thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children and shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. This should be something we think of and talk about all the time. I'm sitting here thinking I'm not doing as well at this in my house as I should. Uh, I think this is part of what President Nelson is talking about when he says, have less time for the world, more time for Christ. This should be on our mind all the time. Let this prevail in our lives more than anything else. Uh, in order to help people with that, he says, bind it for a sign upon thine hand and frontlets between thine eyes. So you've probably seen um, uh, pictures of Jews praying where they have a little box tied on, on their head and other things on their arm. This is literally them fulfilling this commandment that what they've done is written these verses in there and so that they're on, on their mind and on their arm or between their eyes and on their arm as they pray. I think doing this literally is a fantastic thing, but let's also look at the symbolism. If it's between your eyes, this is so that you're thinking about it all the time. It's literally on your mind and in front of your eyes all the time. The arm is the symbol of action. It's what you're doing all the time. Everything you think, everything you see, everything you do should be affected by your love of God. There should be nothing ever that's not in one way or another affected by your love of God. And it should be such an overwhelming love of God that it's always somewhere in the back of your mind. Even when you're playing sports or uh, watching a movie or whatever it is you're doing, this should be somehow part of who it's so a part of who we are that it affects the way we do everything look at verse nine and thou shalt write them upon the post of thy house and thy gate so we get these mezuzahs uh, where we post these on the door uh, that jews do so that as they go in and out this is written inside a, a little uh a sto or it's a little box that you put on your your threshold of your door it's usually got a little letter sheen on it which is uh, the letter that is uh, this um, thing begins with. So verse four uh, is called the Shema because in Hebrew, uh, Shema Yisrael, all right, that's here, O Israel. So it's the word for here. And so this is called the, the Shema, here, O Israel, the Lord, our God is one Lord. All right, um, that's the Shema. And so this is written inside a sheen and you're supposed to think of it when you're leaving and when you're coming back. Think of that you worship God and God alone, and you do it with everything you have. It should be when, as you're coming in, as you're going, it should be in everything you do and everything you see and everything you think, right? And then we get again, teach them, uh, or uh, uh, verse 10, it shall be when the Lord thy God shall have brought thee into the land, which he swore unto thy fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob. He's reminding them this is part of the covenant, to give thee great and goodly cities, which thou buildest not, and houses full of things that you didn't dig, you know, fill, and wells you didn't dig, and so on. Then he says, verse 12, then beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Um, this is the big thing. We have to remember God and what he's done. We have to find some way to never forget. It's in the sacrament prayers. That's the one thing that's repeated uh, very strongly in both prayers. Remember. It's a major theme in the Book of Mormon. It's a major theme. Well, it's one of the greatest themes in Deuteronomy. It's a theme everywhere in the scriptures. We have to remember God. We have to find ways to have God more in our life and the world less in our life, to make sure that God is prevailing more in our life than anything else. By the way, I've just uh, thought of this. Uh, BYU TV has this great uh, program um, called Follow Up, 
where they try and do kind of a gospel doctrine class on the topic uh, for each week. And I was the guest for this one where we cover Deuteronomy. Um, and so that might be enjoyable for you to, uh, we, we talk and we show you um, uh, uh, a mezuzah and we talk about these things there a little bit as well. And so it's good, clean fun. Um, but this is what I would love to impress upon you uh, more than anything else. If you want to understand the book of Deuteronomy, it's this. Remember what God has done for you. It's worth for everyone. Maybe that's why we should keep a journal. One of the major reasons President Eyring taught us that a journal should be your, your record of the things God has done for you, the miracles you've seen in his life, his workings, his dealings with you, and so on. Um, but whatever you have to do, and I would say do lots of things to remember God more. Stop and think, what can I do to remember God more and remember what he's done for me? And that will naturally turn into being overwhelmed with gratitude and a love for God so that it is be it's it's on your mind you see it everywhere it's in everything you do how much you love god with everything you have and you are and everything else will flow from there which we also talk about with jeanette and i said so i hope this is a youth useful short cast for you i think that it is the essence of the old testament the essence of the gospel when we love god uh, then we will keep his commandments then his son can change us and exalt us and of that i testify in the name of Jesus Christ.